0: Click the link down below and watch this free training where I will show you these frameworks on how you can achieve more in the next 90 days than you possibly have in the last five to 10 years. Click the link down below and watch the training before it goes away. You
1: talked about something in the book that I found I'm, I'm obsessed with it right now. And I was very surprised though to find it in the book about future So I'm super curious. You go into detail about how societies collapse. You quote Ray Dalio. What, what can we take away from that idea in the book
0: yeah it reminds me of sports teams who get to the top you know even like the tampa bay buccaneers this year they weren't that great this year compared to last year they just won the super bowl Mm. and so that's kind of the idea that success often leads to their complacency lack of vision uh you know conflicting goals among the parties you know when things when when things start going really well or moving forward um that's where often either your goals change without you realizing it. Maybe maybe the people on the Bucks, like really a lot of the players, maybe they didn't really need another Super Bowl. Honestly, if they were honest with themselves, maybe their goal changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were still kind of playing that part. And so from a societal perspective, yeah, there's lots of different beliefs about how you know a, a business can really go really well and then things are killing it and um, it can be hard for them to maintain that. And on an individual level, you can get really successful in some area and then you can start to, Throw it away,
1: and what do you think that is? Is that goals change? Not being honest with yourself? Is it you were doing it for the wrong reason?
0: I don't think you were doing it for the wrong reason. Uh, I think that so, like, Gay Hendrix and certain other like psychologists would call it just you subconsciously self sabotage. You know, you might be moving forward, you achieve a lot of things, and it's outside of your homeostasis, and so you you know you subconsciously like wreck it. Like that's one way of looking
1: at it. You're gonna have to define the idea of homeostasis. That people have this idea of how big they are, how great they are, whatever. Walk people. Yeah. So
0: homeostasis is how I would see it. Is just your subconscious baseline. It's what you're comfortable with. It's it's where you're at at your emotional development. It's what your comfort zone is. And so if you start advancing way beyond that, like Gay Hendricks would call that like an upper limit problem. Where advancing how you could advance in any way. Maybe you're someone who grew up in a bad situation or just had repeated repeated bad unhealthy relationships and all of a sudden you start getting in good relationships um and so it's a little outside your comfort zone to actually be happy in a relationship and so because it's outside your homeostasis it's outside your comfort zone maybe you don't think that this is something you deserve maybe it's just that this is uncharted territory so you're a little uncomfortable with what's going on it's past your it's past your vision. <laughs> you just you you can revert back. I, I think that's one way of looking at it. Um, I think another way is just honestly, you reach a certain place where you you become unclear of your goals. I mean, often you achieve goals because you have clarity. You work towards those goals, uh, you achieve them, and you reach a certain place where you you lack a future self. You lack clarity about your future, and then there's all sorts of things coming at you because you're in a more successful place. You've got more options, and so. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes, which I share multiple times in the book, but it's just honestly my favorite quote comes from Robert Brault. He says, we're kept from our goal, not by obstacles, but by a clear path to lesser goals. And so I think, you know, the more successful you become, the more options you have. And so there's a lot of lesser goals that can be quick dopamine hits. You can, you can get quick wins uh, and you think you're making progress, but you're not actually clear on a direction anymore. And so you you just start breaking things apart.
1: Okay, so... Getting into that idea, the clear path to a lesser goal is, I think, really interesting. I've told entrepreneurs like a million times, people don't end up failing because of a lack of opportunity. They end up failing because they pursue the wrong opportunity. Um, How do people orient themselves in such a way that they understand what goals to pursue and then what is it just the ease of the lesser goal that makes him go after it, or are there some other warning signs? Or is this all tied to self-sabotage?
0: So motivationally, there's, there's two theories that really help me with this. One is, it's called expectancy theory. It's one of the, the core motivational theories in psychology. The other one's called hope theory. They're essentially very similar. Hope and motivation are very connected. Um, but both of those theories basically have three similar elements. One is, in order to have motivation and hope, you need a clear goal. You need to see some form of pathway of getting there or some mechanism, some means. So you you see a goal that compels you, that's exciting. The more clear, the more compelling personally. Obviously, the more motivating. Mm. You need to see some pathway to getting there or be able to create a pathway to getting there. And then you need either the confidence or sense of agency that you can actually fulfill on whatever's required. So it makes sense that simple, like lesser goals with clear paths would be motivating. There's a clear path. Often your future self or some big goal doesn't have as obvious of a pathway, and you've got to adjust pathways all the time. And so if you're presented an easy path to a lesser goal, often you take it. Maybe it's a job that pays really well, um, or it's a relationship that you're already in, and there's some cost bias, Mm -hmm. but it's an easy, you know, so it's easy to um, take clear paths to lesser goals because the reward's easy, the path is straight. Uh, It's just easy to get that quick reward. And that's actually one of the, like, fundamental problems with uh, future self that Hal Hirschfeld's found is is that the present is so much, such a pull that often you'll, you know, it's it's hard sometimes to invest in your future self when you can just get dopamine hits right now.
1: So how do you invest in your future self in a way that's useful
0: if you don't see that clear path? I mean, I think that most paths are not clear initially towards a really cool, big goal. Towards, you know, like as an example, like my own writing career there was not a clear path there's not a clear path for you you know you kind of invent the path as you go um but i think that's what
1: breaks most people like they legitimately don't know they don't know how to create momentum which is already a huge thing they don't know how to set a goal which is already wildly problematic yeah and then they really don't understand what i call the physics of progress and so they think oh i got it wrong i guess i'm never going to be able to do this so what advice do you give people in that moment knowing that there's a lot of friction that they're going to have to overcome but if they don't overcome it they're sort of dead in the water
2: yeah uh
0: i think that your your last question about like choosing something like you have to take the time to actually know what you want to commit yourself to in my mind like if you're if you don't get committed to it you won't you won't be able to go through the process of finding the path and so Taking the time, and you don't have to commit to something for the rest of your life, but like, what do you want to commit to for the next three to five years? Like, what are you going to start really investing in, start figuring out? Because right now, you know, where I want to get to in five years from now, I have no clue how to get there. But if you start to clarify, like, what are you committed to? What do you actually want to do? Um, we're all committed to something. Like, um, one of my favorite quotes or ideas is just, you can know what you're committed to by the re- results you're producing. And so, like, you and I were obviously committed to having this conversation because we're both here our behavior is evidence that we've committed to this and so anything that a person does evidences their commitment to something Mm. so if they're going to their nine-to-five job and they hate it if they're still going to that nine-to-five job they're committed to it um and so i think taking a step back and just asking yourself like what is it that i would commit myself to and it's not like for the rest of my life but it's like what's the most important thing right now like what's the absolute most important thing i could accomplish right now and maybe you need to journal maybe you need to take an extra 30 or 60 minutes to like start reading books and giving yourself space away from the noise to start to clarify that. Uh, how I like to look at it is with like the Jim Collins quote, if you have more than three priorities, you have none. Like, What are the three areas of your life that matter most? I think that people can clarify where they want to go in the next three to five years if they just gave themselves the space to be honest, write, journal about it, and then stop worrying about what everyone thinks. What do you do in terms of encouraging people to dream big? I mean one of the things that i'm thinking about right now so like i'm writing a book right now totally separate from this one called 10x is easier than 2x and like this is this is a really interesting model but an aspect of this model is is that if you're going to go 2x it's kind of the 80/20 principle in action if you go 2x you can keep 80% of your existing life and 20 only 20% has to be new mm. right so like to go 2x i can pretty much carry my current self forward 80% 80% of me is forward i can pretty much you know, two percent twenty percent will be new. But if you want to go 10x, um, only the top twenty percent of what you're doing can stay. So twenty percent of existing whereas eighty percent has to be new if you're really gonna go 10x. Um, and so like 80% of what you're currently doing is irrelevant at your future selves in your future self's life if you were actually to 10x in certain metrics. So for example, if I wanted to be a 10 times better writer or or sell 10 times more books, 80% of my current self is irrelevant at that 10x version. Literally, That's 80%. That's a really cool way to say it. You know what I mean? Only the top 20% of what I'm doing right now is actually how you, scalable. How
1: do you figure out the 20 from the 80s?
0: This goes back to, um, you know, we're kept from our goals, not by obstacles, but by a clear path to a lesser goal. Mm. How much of what I'm currently doing right now is maintaining my former self's goals or just keeping things in place, going to meetings, doing things that honestly now, from my current reference Frame are not useful to my future self like again it takes it takes honesty maybe something that was an amazing opportunity you've outgrown it and it's it's now a distraction from where you want to go mm. and so i think you can analyze like you know one simple aspect of 80 20 is just what are the what are the few things that i really do that bring me the most excitement right now or what are the few things that i really that i'm doing right now that if i ha- if i gave more time and attention to it'd be really easy to, to go to another place, but I'm spending all my time over here. Um, so I, I do like, um, I like 10X thinking, but I do like thinking like, you know, as far as imagination is more important than knowledge, like really thinking differently about your future self. Like how different can they be? Uh, in what few areas would you really love to see massive change? Uh, I really like, you know, again, the, the Collins frame of no more than three priorities. Like, what, if, you, if you just had three areas of your life, choose any three, and then you just stretched those, like, how different could they be? How great could they be? The initial reaction, and seriously, like, having, having done this, a lot of people, they hear these ideas, and they never actually genuinely sit and think about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Like,
0: they hear the idea, yeah, imagine it differently, but actually quantify it a little bit. Like, if I actually sat and thought, if my future self five years from now was ten times the more successful writer, or even a better writer... What does that actually look like and actually quantify? What is my current self? How many books am I currently selling? What if I 10x that or just looking at the book?
1: What do you Um. do, though, when that's like overwhelming and it's just, yeah, it sounds dope. It sounds dope. Sell 10 times more books. I love it. How do you get there? And how is the person when they dare to journal that and dare to write it down? How does it not become almost a throwaway joke?
0: One is to realize that you've already done it. So if you look at your current self, if I look at my current self, it's not a stretch to say that I'm 10X, some former version of myself in many different metrics. Uh, You know, five years ago, yeah, I got my first book deal ever. Like, you know, and so like, even going back a little bit further, like, you know, there's many areas of my life where, and it, you know, 10x is just an idea, but like, there's many areas in my life where certainly I'm way beyond what my former self was imagining. Um, and so obviously I've done it before and I've now created a new homeostasis. And so I've, I've done this before. And I think anyone, you know, listening yourself, you've done things in your life is at a place beyond the imagination of, of your former self at different stages. You've already done it. And so, why get to a place when you stop living that way? Because at some point, some past version of you took that idea seriously and you started dreaming of a bigger goal. And you actually then committed yourself to that and started orienting your life towards that. And so because you've done it before, like why stop? And so I, I know I've done it before. And so uh I, I I know that I know that I'll get I know that I'll get there, but also I'm not really competing with anyone. I'm not trying to prove myself to anyone. Like, if I don't get there, there's no failure. Like, why? I don't really see the fear well, in not getting there. outcomes matter. They do. So they do.
1: It will be a failure. How do they deal with that?
0: Well, it it's a, only a failure from a certain lens, right? Like you can you can turn a failure. I, I, like thinking like I like I like football. So I'm talking Joe Burrow now. Joe Burrow just went to the Super Bowl. He could call it a failure because he didn't win the Super Bowl. The Bengals just lost um, to the Rams. Um, You know, He can can certainly view it as a failure, right? He didn't achieve his goal. Um, But viewing it as a failure over time stops being useful. It's just like, how can you turn it into a game? How can you learn from it? The event already occurred. You can't change the event. You can change how you frame it, and you can change what you get out of it. You can change what you do because of it. You can't actually go back and change. Joe Burrow can't change that he missed, you know, that, they, that he lost. So he can be mad about it and feel like a loser or he can get mad at his former self. I've reached the place, and there's just my own belief, that it, I, nothing is actually a failure. Like, you created what you created. You can now choose to do something differently. You can choose to learn from it. If I don't hit a goal, um, I can either be in the gain about it or the gap about it. I can... Change because of it, or I can be mad at myself and turn it into a trauma.
1: Now, if you miss the goal, would you just reset that same goal and keep getting after it, so that the goal like keeps moving off into the horizon? Maybe, it, maybe because
0: of what you learned, the goal stops being relevant. Honestly, you're you're not competing against anyone. Like that's the great part. You get to choose your future self. You get to choose what you commit yourself to. So maybe going through that experience, you now can slightly adjust the goal. Maybe you can adjust what you're going for, or you can recommit to that same goal if you want. Um, But you're not really competing with anyone. You're in your own internal experience. And so you get to choose what you commit yourself to. Um, Just by actually attempting the thing, you've probably gained a lot of experience that your former self who initially set the goal didn't have. So now you can either keep going for your former self's goal or you can set something totally different. I'm going to walk you through the process and I invite you to pull out your journal and to use this over and over. But before I even show that to you, I just wanna share with you a few principles. One is the idea of beliefs. Your beliefs are a thought that you've trusted to be true. It's a thought that you've trusted. You go from thinking to feeling to knowing. And so whatever you repetitiously think and ultimately feel and believe is what you're gonna create. And so one of the aspects of this process that I'm gonna walk you through is Uh, unwinding your current beliefs or assumptions that are now limiting to the future that you want. And ultimately, you believe certain things are impossible because you have a limiting belief about those things. Another thing that I want to say, and there's a great quote on this from Bill Gates, he said that we all underestimate what's possible in a decade, but we overestimate what's possible in a year. So a decade is a long period of time, and your future self in 10 years from now, is so far beyond what you can currently imagine. Your future self is very different than you think. A quote that I love is is that it's better to define success based on where you're at in 10 years from now versus where you're at in 10 days from now. Or another way of saying this is, I'm not that worried about where things are at in 10 days, but I'm quite concerned or at least thoughtful about where they're at in 10 years. Once you start to imagine your 10 year future self, and, and there's a lot of research that shows this, the more connected you get to your future self, the better decisions you make in the present. One of my favorite quotes from Dan Sullivan on on this subject is that the only way to make your present better is by making your future bigger. Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning, basically used this concept to help people overcome the trauma and the chaos and the crisis of being in a concentration camp. He basically said that the way to help someone in that situation was to help them have a goal to which they could commit themselves to when the why is strong enough, you can bear almost any how. And so you pretty much need a future self, but if you have a 10 year future self, you can start to think about things that maybe right now seem impossible to you. Think about where you were at 10 years ago, go back to 2013, and think about how different you were 10 years ago. Think about in early 2013, what you cared about, what you thought about, think about your habits, think about your goals. Now think about where you're at right now, and chances are where you're at right now would seem impossible to your past self. You couldn't even imagine it, just me for example. I wrote all of these books over the last like six or so years. In 2013, I was an undergrad. I didn't even know which direction I was gonna go in psychology. I ended up going in organizational psychology. Uh, I didn't know I was gonna have six kids. We adopted three from the foster system. I didn't know I was gonna write all these books. Plenty of other awesome things have happened, but I, all I'm saying is, is my past self 10 years ago could not have projected this, but my, my future self is the same way. In 10 years from now, this is the same view. Of, of What's possible in 10 years, like what I've done in the last 10 years is tiny compared to what's possible over the next 10 years. One of the concepts that I love is this one right here, 10X is easier than 2X. This is a book that I wrote with Dan Sullivan and it's not even out yet, it comes out in May. But it's the idea that 10X is actually easier than going for 2X. 2X is just trying to go double because 2X is a past present orientation. What that means is is that you're letting the past dictate who you are and what you do in the present and, and it dictates where you're going in the future. Whereas A future present orientation means that you're imagining the future. As Albert Einstein would say, imagination is more important than knowledge. You're letting your desired future dictate what you do in the present. And when you let the future dictate what you do in the present, you stop doing a lot of what you did in the past. You stop being so consistent with your past self, and you let go of the beliefs, commitments, and behaviors of your former self because you use your future self as the filter for what you do. If you have a 10-year future self, you can not only go 10x from where you're at in a desired area. One thing that's great about a 10-year future self, by the way, rather than a 10-day future self, and yet 10 days is cool. Like there's a lot of things you can do in 10 days. You can be very tactical, whereas 10 years is more strategic. You can you can make you can re-steer the ship a little bit. You can make tweaks now that will, over the next 10 years, make a phenomenal difference. But when you think 10 years out, not only can you think 10x bigger, you can actually think 100x bigger because in 10 years, a lot is possible. Anything is possible, but not everything is possible. That's why going further out is helpful, because it helps you distinguish what does success look like in 10 years. Most of the things you're doing right now are probably a distraction to how you would define success in 10 years. Your future self 10 years from now has much clearer standards and priorities and focuses on less but better, higher quality, less quantity. And so the more you can think about what would be important in 10 years from now, the more you can let go of most of the distractions that are wasting your time right now. Most of the things you're doing right now or even pursuing right now, aren't gonna be relevant or useful in 10 years from now. So the more you can really clarify, what are the few things which absolutely matter in 10 years from now? And you get to choose that in large part. And obviously as you progress along the way, your values and and goals will change and you'll know things and be able to adjust that vision. But what are the few things which absolutely matter 10 years from now? For me, my faith, my family, continuing to to learn, write books, share, support, help, be a better person. But So not only does having the 10-year vision help you identify the few things which matter, but also given that it's 10 years out, you can begin to elevate it 10x or 100x. You can start to think a lot bigger and start to imagine things which you might now think are impossible, but are not. And then you can use the model, which I'm going to show you from the book Immunity Did Change, to let go of the beliefs and hidden commitments you have, which are your former self, your old identity. You can let go of the old identity and beliefs you have so that you can start to operate with beliefs that will support your 10-year, 100x level vision. So let me just give myself as an example. And again, it does not matter how seemingly impossible the goal is. If you've done anything useful, Your former self thought it was impossible, but also all the people around you probably thought it was impossible, and who cares? Truly, who cares? What other people think about you is none of your business. And at some point, you've got to choose for yourself what you're about, regardless of what the people around you think. And you start to surround yourself with people who support what you think, and then they help encourage you to believe it's possible and ultimately to make it happen. Ten-year vision, it's more important to define success based on where you're at in 10 years versus where you're at in 10 days. Your current self is as fleeting and as temporary as the present moment as Daniel Gilbert would say in his TED talk, The Psychology of Your Future Self. I'm now going to share my screen. This is just a simple example of myself. Basically, this is a 100x 10-year vision of my future self, and I just use the example of writing books. My books have sold nearing a million copies, and so a 100x version of that would be to sell 100 million books, which obviously is ridiculous. Um, to anyone who's even extremely successful, 100 million books is, let's call it impossible, right? The Harry Potter books have sold way more than that. This is how you use the model to ultimately achieve impossible goals is is you actually write down your desired goal or commitment. And then this is where you start to be honest with yourself. All progress starts by telling the truth. So I recommend you write on your journal and you make these four columns. Column two right here is for you to be honest about the goal conflicting actions or inactions that you're now doing that are opposing this goal. So these are things that I do now, or don't do, that would stop me from achieving this goal. Not marketing well, perhaps writing the wrong books, not writing from the future, caught up in the 80%, that's the 80-20 principle, that I'm caught in 80% of things that don't really matter, distracting me from the goal. Writing that avoids fear. Uh, these, are just, these are just behaviors that if I'm honest with myself, these behaviors or lack of behaviors are, are in direct opposition to my goal. You can have whatever goal you want. That goal could be run a marathon. It could be make $10 million. It could be have the most amazing life you want. It could be X, Y, and Z. You choose a seemingly impossible goal, one that you truly value. And then you start to be honest with yourself about the actions and behaviors you're doing that are actually taking you away from the goal. The second level is about the hidden commitments that you have made. You, we all have hidden commitments, which we have made which drive our actions. So these hidden commitments are our past self, which are aspects of our identity. Our identity is what we're committed to in terms of our beliefs and in terms of how we define ourselves. And those past hidden commitments are driving the behaviors which are conflicting to what we want. And this, your behavior and your hidden commitments and even your beliefs over here are all a reflection of your past self, but not a reflection of your future self. Having a 10x or a 100x 10 year vision of your future self. This is having a future present orientation. In order to have a future present orientation, you're gonna have to have different beliefs, different commitments, which is your identity, and different behaviors. Belief, identity, behavior. And so what we have here, if we're being honest with ourselves, is past-based behaviors that are not relevant to this future, past-based commitments, or past-based identities, our past self, and past-based beliefs, which are now limiting to our future self and what we want, to the commitment we want to make. And so column three is about becoming aware of your hidden commitments. So my hidden commitment might be that writing, uh, you know, I, I write powerful and helpful books, but not the absolute best one I can, or writing with a publisher that potentially limits what I can say, or writing books that are safe or position me a certain way, maybe making me look smart. Right, I might have commitments that then lead to my behaviors, but those commitments come from beliefs. And so maybe those beliefs are that i don't see myself as someone who could do that right or i can't impact that many people or few authors especially nonfiction authors have reached that many people or i could not handle that level of success whatever it is you can actually examine the beliefs by by measuring them in light of a goal right so if i actually look at this goal sell 10 million books and then i start to think about what do i believe right now about that goal this is why it's actually helpful to think about a result you want or a goal you want and then using that goal as the kind of lens to look back at yourself, you're looking. This is how you use the future to get a a, a different view of yourself, to get to step out of your worldview. Um, there's a, that whole quote from Stephen Covey: "You don't see the world as it is, but as you are, or as you've been conditioned to see it." And a belief is simply a thought that you you've trusted enough to believe that it's true. So these are all just thoughts that I that I have put stock into, which then lead to making commitments of my past self. Uh, or identities, in which identity drives my behavior, which all of this is now a reflection of my past, not my future. If I want to achieve this goal, which is seemingly impossible to my current self, I would need beliefs first that support that, which then shape commitments or identity that then drives behavior. We're all committed. There's a great book on the subject called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, and it basically says that Commitment is a statement of what is. You can know what you're committed to by observing your behavior, by reviewing your results, by just looking at what you're creating in your life right now. We're all committed to something in our current life is a proof of our commitment. And so the only way to get something new, a new commitment, is to simply let go of the old commitments and consciously choose the commitment we want and develop beliefs that support that commitment. Right? This may be a seemingly impossible commitment, but people have done this before. Like. Only you decide what's impossible and not impossible. And if you're worried about what other people think about you or your goals or what they think is possible, then sure, that's what that's what Keegan Robert Keegan would call the socializing mind, where you let the outside world determine your beliefs and ultimately your commitments, your identity. Whereas once you get to the transforming self level, according to Robert Keegan in his book, Immunity to Change, you start to create your own beliefs. You start to question the beliefs that are limiting you. You start to question the assumptions. This is the model, by the way. And so what you could do, is step one of this model would be to just write out the commitment you have and then be really honest about your current behaviors, which are oppositional to this goal. And then the hidden commitments that you have made that would lead to these behaviors and the commit and the hidden beliefs or assumptions that you have about yourself and the world that drives your commitments and your behavior. So that could be step one. And I'm just inviting you to use this four step process to help you eventually achieve impossible goals. And then what you could do as step two is write down your commitment that you want and then go backwards. Say, what kind of beliefs would I need to have right to make this goal possible? What kind of beliefs would support this goal? Uh, I believe that this is very possible. And I also believe that I'm the kind of person that can do this and that God can help me and whatever it is. And then from those new beliefs, actually hold them long enough to trust them, right? Because a belief is a thought that you trust enough to be true. It becomes a belief when you go from thinking to feeling to knowing. Just because you know something doesn't mean it's actually true, but it's true to you, it's true for you. does not mean it's an actual truth, it's a lower t truth, meaning it's subjective. But you believe it's true, therefore you believe it. Think about beliefs that would support the commitment you want to make. And then also think about the commitments, the the identity you would need to have. What kind of commitments would you need to make? And then that would lead to what kind of behaviors would lead to this, and as you progress. I recommend you apply this principle. Get in your journal, think about an impossible goal, and think about the current beliefs you have that would clearly stop you from doing that. And the, those hidden beliefs are actually, are what shaped your hidden commitments. And your hidden commitments are your identity, uh, the way you see yourself. That you see yourself in a certain way, which leads you to certain behaviors, which are now you've grown out of them. You're like the, the crab that's outgrown its shell, and it needs a new new situation. This is a phenomenal concept. And, and I think what's really great about it is is that you can certainly reshape your belief system. And the more mentally developed and emotionally developed you get, the more you can consciously shape beliefs that support your goals. Rather than having your beliefs fed to you, you can, you can be a lot more of an architect of the beliefs that take you the direction you want to go. We all believe things that, Are not necessarily true we all see things as we are not as they are
4: there was a quote and i just wanted to read it for people uh they'll read it when they read the book but uh that andre said bad people don't go to prison quitters do so when we're talking about our goals right how powerful is that you know prison being sort of the metaphor right it's
0: it's everything like my andre was actually in my living room and he told my kids that um And the reason that's so big is because when you quit on something you want, Mm. um, what that leads to is, is it leads to a fundamental drop in confidence. Um, There's a really important quote with all of this, and it says, we're kept from our goals, not by obstacles, but by a clear path to a lesser goal. Mm. And so usually what happens is you're, let's just say you're pursuing something, you hit some obstacle. Mm -hmm. And if you quit, and then if you pursue something easier and lesser, because Psychologically, it's important for us to have a clear path to something motivationally. We need a simple, smooth path like it's we don't like complexity. And so if we hit some wall. And then we we just we we, we use it it ultimately becomes a trauma. It becomes something where we
2: we create a fixed mindset and we say, I'm no longer going to pursue this. I'm going to pursue something that's different.
4: Right, so quitting. we can't do it, right? We then yeah. label ourselves and limit ourselves by... It
2: creates a fixed and mindset. And, and really, that's what they, they, they say, that trauma destroys imagination. Hmm.
0: And so if you have a negative experience and you can't reframe it, or if you don't take the time to reframe it or get support or coaching through it, then you'll hit some event and you'll quit. And if you quit on what you really want or what you were pursuing and then pursue something else, like that, that by nature is, you know... Li- living a pseudo life and and unfortunately for most people that's how their life and personality is like they had some negative event that occurred in the past right. it shaped their identity and now their their life and their personality is to avoid the pain of of dealing with it and so why it's so key to define your future self and to define the goals you want
2: and to shape those goals intentionally is because you know those goals are are ultimately who you become <laughs>
4: right. um I mean, and that's so important. So, I want everybody who's listening?
2: Yeah.
4: A, do you write your goals down?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do
0: you
4: even know what your goals are. Are you setting an intention? You know, a long-term goal, mid-term goal, right? So that you're breaking it down. And if you're not, this is the perfect opportunity, especially since you've got a little bit more time at home. Um, totally. <laughs> you know, to to do that, and uh, and and really make sure that you're really intentional about the goals that you're setting and why you're setting them and what will be different in your life when you reach them.
2: Yeah. And I'll explain the three, the three, four, the
0: three ways goals come from, but I I just want to say one more time, how important this is that you pursue what you genuinely want. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so important because I I believe that most people have settled for lesser goals. Um, But if you're genuine and you can take some time to journal or whatever, think about if you could have it and you're not worried about what people think or you're not worried about failures, What would you genuinely want? What would you genuinely seek? Um, If if you make that your identity by beginning to tell everyone that this is now who you're going to be and this is what you're going for. Yes, it will take a lot of courage. Yes, it may shock people because it's maybe been quite different from your former self and how you've been. It's just, that is really the only way to live in alignment (laughs) is to, and and so here's now where goals come from because what you want now is not what your future self is gonna want. Basically, goals come from three, three sources. One is what you've been exposed to. You can't pursue something intentionally without knowing about it. Um, and so context really matters here. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a recognition that your current self does have, have a limiting perspective and that what you're currently pursuing is based on what you currently know. Um, and I'll, I'll give a, just a short story that I give in the book on that, and that's Charlie Trotter. You know, Charlie Trotter was the famous chef and uh, he lived in chicago i think oprah loved his restaurant back in the 90s super you know he like kind of introduced fine dining in a lot of ways to the u.s anyways what charlie would do is he would bring in impoverished kids from the ghetto like homeless kids into his restaurant and give them like a five star like seriously like full fine dining experience and the reason he did that is because he wanted to shatter he wanted to expose them to something fundamentally different from what they've ever. Been exposed to, and a lot of people criticized Charlie for this. Like they said, you're you're setting these kids up for failure, but he wanted to expose them to new things so that they could actually have new goals. Um, and so this makes it really crucial that you expose yourself to new things, new and better things. Read new information, have new experiences, so that you can. This is one of the reasons why I love reading biographies, honestly. But it's also why I invest in like mastermind groups and stuff because I love putting myself in new situations where like I'm like wow. I can't believe how limited my current perspective was. So the first one is exposure. Your current goals are based on what you've been exposed to. If you begin exposing yourself to new and better things, you can then set new and better goals.
2: Um, The second one is what you, what you desire. Your, your goals are based on what you want, you know, and you have to own that what you're currently pursuing may be something that you shouldn't want anymore. Like Andre came to that conclusion that maybe he shouldn't want to be the number one guy in prison. Like maybe that's a, a, a shallow desire. Maybe that's a, Uh, 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 you know, your personality in a lot of ways is based on what you prefer. It's based on what your preference is and also what you're willing to tolerate. And your former self probably had preferences that your current self doesn't have. Like your former self enjoyed doing things that you no longer like doing or that you're no longer willing to do anymore. And so you have to just own that your current preferences can and should change and that you can adjust those and then you can think to yourself, what should I want? Because you can train your desires. Um, The third one is confidence.
0: Confidence is basically the belief that you can accomplish something. So you're not going to actually set something out if you don't think you can do it. And confidence is the basis of imagination. So as you build confidence, your willingness or your belief in setting bigger or different goals is going to adjust confidence and flexibility are very connected. You know, you'll be more flexible and see different possibilities if you're confident and you have to build confidence daily. Like confidence grows as you actually make progress towards goals. So as you move forward, your it's confidence experience.
4: micro accomplishments. Micro, yeah. Right? So it's, it's in every little thing that you do that you say you're going to do builds confidence.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if, you, you know, if your future self has more confidence than your current self because they've followed through, because they've learned, because they've overcome challenges, because they've done baby steps on a daily basis and moved forward, you, know, you build confidence by
2: moving in the direction you genuinely want to go by living intentionally. Um, then your future self's imagination will be much bigger and they'll have bigger goals than your current self.
4: Yeah. You know, a big thing for me also in 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 that confidence piece and and just recognizing where you've made progress. It's not always about That's success, huge. Right? It's about, but people don't, they move on to the next thing, right? They're especially, especially oh. mentors, right, we're always like on to the next thing. So I like intentionally, when I meet with one of my friends, we coach each other once a week and we go through our pros and grows, like our wins and, and things that are, you know, uh, currently what so we're So
2: smart. We're learning. You're so, so great.
4: It, well, it, it was huge for me when we started to do this, because I was always feeling like, you know, at the end of the day, like feeling unproductive or unaccomplished, not recognizing the things that I actually did do. And what I, you know, maybe it wasn't everything that was on my list, or what I thought I should be doing. But when I looked, I was like, wow, this is substantial yeah substantial and and mention worthy but i was dismissing it so it's so important that we recognize the progress that we've made and 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 take time to to look back and say wow look at where i've come and how i've changed and how i see things differently
0: i think what you're describing is one of the absolute keys
2: to mental well-being it's so important that i'm so glad you brought it up i actually recently had a conversation with my mother-in-law i showed her the in the front of all my journals. I I, I asked myself, what are the wins from the last 90 days? Uh-huh. And it's and so I asked her, because I'm like, Janae, like just take a second to think about all the all the positive things that have happened in the last ninety days. And like some of them have been challenging, but things you've worked through, like what are all the things that have that you've done in the last 90 days? And she pulled out her journal and like I gave her like twenty minutes and she made a list
0: and she she realized it's so easy to forget. Wow. Um, it's so easy to forget, but if you're
2: moving forward and you give yourself the space, even on a daily basis, like you did to think like, what were the, what were the wins today? You can train yourself. Like, so Dan Sullivan, he talks about measuring the gain, not the gap,
0: you know, like measure the gain. Like, and if you actually do that, it does build huge confidence because you, you realize over the last month or over the last two or three months, like I've actually made some pretty amazing progress and you can acknowledge that. And by acknowledging it, it boosts you because you see change, you see progress yep. and it then excites you to keep going. Right.
4: Absolutely. So I just wanted people, you know, who, are really,
0: yeah, it's so key
4: that, that they're seeing that that's all part of building confidence, right. And, and getting that clarity. So I love it that you broke down those, those goals into those three areas.
0: So this is a simple model describing why change is difficult. And I'm going to explain it. So the first one is, is there's a commitment you want to make. Let's just say it's lose weight to have better health. So that's a, a change you want to make. But here's where you have an immunity to change. You've got certain things that are literally stopping that. The first one is, this first level is just the behavior. That there are behaviors that you either do or don't do that are in pure opposition to the goal. This, this could be snacking. And again, particularly in social settings, there are certain environments that you put yourself in where you get triggered. And then you, you, you do behavior that is literally opposing to your desired goal. Or just not sticking with your plan. So this could be activities you do or don't do that we, you know, this is the easy one. This is this is level one understanding. This is consciousness. This is this is where it gets to level two understanding. This is the subconscious stuff that's literally stopping you. So one is that you actually have hidden commitments that you have made in prior experiences. We all have commitments that we make in the past that we use to protect ourselves. Actually, I was having a recent conversation with a friend, and he was talking about how when he was in his twenties, he made a, a hidden commitment to himself that he would never date someone that he works with. You know, and this is now a friend in his forties, but he made that commitment for a reason and it was based on probably good good information or good data or good sound knowledge. But at a certain point that commitment actually got in the way of something he wanted and he he, he finally became aware of it. He ended up getting out of a bad bad marriage and there was someone he really he worked with in that he wanted to have a, a really beautiful emotional relationship with a romantic relationship. And he had to confront a hidden commitment he had made twenty years prior that he would never work with someone and have a romantic relationship with them. He actually started to unpeel and unwind why he had resistance initially to having a romantic relationship with this person. And he was able to finally realize he had made a commitment back when he was in his 20s and probably for good reason back then, but he had outgrown that. And I myself am actually in situations, various collaborations or things like that, where we've reached a plateau in what's possible in various of my relationships because the other party had made commitments to protect themselves in prior situations. And so, this hidden commitments is really important. And by the way, commitment itself is a very, very important word. Because as people, our identity is the values and beliefs to which we're most committed. It's also the future to which we're most committed. And so, basically, at the nutshell, identity is what you're most committed to. And you might be committed to things that were formed years or decades ago to protect yourself from something, or just because you learned something, it could be committed to an idea, as an example, that now is literally opposing your goal. So you have this goal, but you have these hidden commitments you formed years or decades ago that are s- literally stopping you from ever having the ability to achieve a goal. And then these hidden commitments lead to these types of behaviors. This example is committed to not being nervous in social settings, And so, as a result, you eat during social settings so that you don't feel nervous. And also, you're committed to the idea or the identity of being a foodie. This hits straight back to identity, by the way, that we all have identities of our past, present, and future selves, and you are holding on to identities. They're hidden commitments that are stopping you from being your desired future self. In other words, you're still committed to identities of your past self, which are stopping you from the goals you most want to do. So, an obvious question is, what are the hidden commitments and identities that you, have, that you have that are leading you to action actions and behaviors that are directly oppositional to your goal. Your behavior always comes from your identity or from your commitments. This is key, and I think it's something that if you would sit and journal on this, you would get so much insight. Think about the goals that you have, the things you're striving to commit to, but that you continuously self-sabotage. And then I ask you, what is the hidden commitment that is actually leading to that self-sabotage? So this is the subconscious stuff. This is you, this is the conscious, and your behavior at the conscious level is being driven by what's unconscious. There's also big assumptions that you have that are leading to the hidden commitments and the actions and behaviors that are oppositional to your goals. So for example, I assume if I'm not eating, I will be awkward in groups. And so you may have assumptions or beliefs that leads you to actions and behaviors that are outside your goal. And so it's really important to observe your behavior. As an example, you have a goal, you have some goal, you want to make a million dollars, but you're constantly spending your money. And so you want to dig into what are the hidden commitments I have? Where and when did I formulate those commitments? And, you know, what are the commitments that are ultimately leading me to this, to the goal conflicting or the the self-defeating behavior? But also what are the assumptions? This is a, another great one. I assume that if I stop being the foodie, that I will be more awkward with people. That is an assumption, it doesn't have to be true. So this is about helping the unconscious become conscious. As people, we our identity and our behavior comes from what we're most committed to. And the challenge that we all have is that we have hidden commitments that we formed based on experiences, or even based on the assumptions and beliefs we have. And those hidden commitments are the root, deepest aspects of our identity that are holding us in the past and ultimately leading us to the self-defeating behavior because the self-defeating behavior actually aligns with the hidden commitments and the assumptions we have. Our behavior, it's not random. It, It operates for a purpose. The problem is when our behavior is coming from hidden commitments that made sense to our past self, but now have reached an expiration date, which now are literally opposing our desired future self. And we all have this, by the way. We all have a past self that is holding us back from being our desired future self. And also we have hidden assumptions or beliefs that are ineffective at this point, And they're leading us to behavior that's stopping us. And so all progress starts by telling the truth. This is one of the most beautiful concepts in addiction recovery and in counseling and psychology is all progress starts by telling the truth. Courage is the doorway to change. Also all motivation can be triggered to either approach oriented or avoid oriented. And if you're avoiding the truth, if you're avoiding digging in and actually learning and understanding yourself, self-awareness, then you're gonna to continue to avoid commitment in the future. You don't wanna be committed to the past. You don't wanna be committed to past commitments that are holding you back. You wanna make commitments in the present that match your your best values and who you wanna be in the future. This is a big aspect of becoming uh, adaptive. It's also about becoming psychologically flexible. And so rather than being stuck with hidden commitments that are ultimately stopping you from being who you want to be and being opposed by assumptions, you just want to be really honest with yourself. And this doesn't mean that you're critical with yourself. It's actually, you actually have more curiosity. So for example, if you have a goal, which you should have a goal, a specific, tangible, powerful goal that excites you, you then want to observe yourself when you start to engage in behaviors that are opposite to the goal or taking you in the opposite direction. Rather than being mad at yourself and beating yourself up, be curious and actually analyze the behavior and think about what are the hidden commitments that I made that are leading me to this behavior? What are the assumptions that I may have that are, are, are facilitating the behavior that maybe in the past was actually useful to me, but now it's reached an expiration date? What got me here won't get me there. This is where you can really start to let go of your past self and you can start to unwind the hidden commitments that are keeping you stuck or the hidden assumptions and beliefs that are now holding you back from expanding into a much higher, better version of yourself. So this is something I really challenge you to do, because we all have hidden commitments that are leading us to the behaviors that are stopping us from being who we want to be. And if you can become aware of that hidden commitment and actually see where you formed it and why it's no longer relevant to you, then you can uncommit to that and let go of that. And that means that you're letting go of your past self and making space for your future self. And as you do that, your identity will shift where you can make commitments to things that will reflect the goal you want and have, and you can stop being so self-contradictory. Self-contradiction being cognitive dissonance. And so as you remove more contradictions between your current self and your desired future self, and if you weed out the contradictions of your past self, which there's no reason of being angry at your past self. They were in a different context than you. They were in a different place than you. And so rather than being mad at those hidden commitments or assumptions that you developed in the past, being aware of them and being really grateful and happy that you're now aware of them and that you can now let them go, seeing that they no longer help you with where you're trying to go. I really challenge you to do this. First off, be clear on your goal. This four-step model is really beautiful, and I'm so thankful for the book Immunity to Change. First off, identify the goal. So you could use these four, these four columns. You know, goal. You know, column number one: what is your goal? Column number two: what are the things you're either doing or not doing that are stopping you from achieving the goal? Column number three what are the hidden commitments that you developed at some point in your past that are leading to the behaviors or lack of behaviors that are stopping you from achieving your goal? And then, you know, column number four, what are the hidden assumptions that you have or beliefs that may be driving these behaviors that are very much pulling you away from who you want to be and where you want to go? And then dismantling those commitments and and assumptions. All progress starts by telling the truth. Also, doing these types of things is helpful with other people. Like, actually, expressing to other people that there's no reason to have ego in this like once you start to develop a growth mindset you stop needing to be right people with a fixed mindset are really fragile they don't want to be wrong they don't want to fail as whereas when you have a growth mindset you don't really care if you're wrong in the present when you have a growth mindset you want to win the war not the battle you know i mean you want to win the battle but you're not as committed to the battle you don't need to look good right now you can you can be wrong right now and ultimately admit defeat so, that you can win the long term game. This is about optimizing for 10 years from now, not 10 days from now. This is about becoming anti fragile versus less fragile. Growth mindset means you're willing to be vulnerable, honest, admit where you need help, admit where you're stuck, admit where you're catching yourself, getting caught in old ways, and ultimately then letting those things go. One other really powerful thing about all this is the language we use. And this is, I'll just briefly hit this, but this is just the idea that we all have a default view of our future. And that default view of our future, is the thing that's driving most of our action and behavior today and most of that default future comes from those hidden commitments and we don't even realize it but those hidden commitments are driving most of what we're doing throughout the day and so as you change your view of the future and as you change your language because your language is in large part what shapes your view of the future they actually call this generative language is using language that shapes the future you want and shapes your perception shapes your so, so, uh your shapes your perspective, shapes what you see, your selective attention. Start using language that reflects your future self, not your past self, and then continuously unwind the hidden commitments and let those go, and you're not your past self. And so as you let go of commitments you made in the past, which are no longer relevant to your future, wow, that's a quantum change. Every time you let go of a hidden commitment or you let go of a commitment that is no that is literally now an immunity <laughs> to the change you wanna make, boom, you will make, that is really the unlearning or the deep work that happens. If you can start to look at time in this way, in a little bit of a different way, you can start to stretch your time. And time is very flexible from a relativity perspective. Basically what Einstein found is that the faster an object moves through space, the slower time goes relative to others moving in the same direction. And so what time ultimately is, is it's directional change. If you're not moving in a desired direction, then time is going to go very fast for you. If you're not going where you want to go towards a desired destination, then your clock is going to tick, 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 tick. Time is about directional change. It's about change in a specific direction. And time slows down, literally slows down, if you can go in that desired direction at a faster pace. Now, this idea leads to concepts like wormholes and things like that. These are theoretical ideas about how you can potentially alter space and, and cut, the t- cut the time in half or more, getting in one location in space to another. So really it's about moving in space at different velocities. And so if a person wants to get from point A to point B, and it's gonna take them five years to get that distance, then that's five years of time. But if you can get from point A to point B in five days, then that time is hundreds or even thousands of times slower. It's slower because you moved to the same distance faster, which means you literally slowed down your time relative to your former trajectory. One big idea here is, is that if you can get where you want to go in half the time, you just slowed your time down, which means you traveled the same distance in twice the speed, which means you slowed your time down by twice as much. Time slows down as you move faster in a desired direction towards desired destination. And the direction really matters because if you're going really fast, but you're going ultimately in an undesired direction, then time is gonna go very fast for you. Years, decades can go by because you're not going where you wanna go and you have that internal conflict. So obviously one of the massive ways to slow time down or to stretch time is by telling the truth. All progress starts by telling the truth, by really being honest and analytical about which the, what's the dire- direction your life is going and is it the direction you want to be going? If it's not the direction you wanna be going, And if you're on a certain trajectory, then by staying on that trajectory, your time is going to speed up. Years are going to go by, decades, and you're not going to have moved in the direction you want to go. You will have done a lot of things, but that won't have translated to where you ultimately want to go. All progress starts by telling the truth. By simply being a lot more honest with yourself and by changing directions, your time slows down fundamentally because now you're taking steps and going in the direction you want to go. Now, there's an advanced principle on this subject. No two people have the same time. I don't have the same time as you have. You have a different experience of 24 hours. And our experience of time has a lot to do with the direction we're going, the speed we're going in that direction, but also our context. That in my time, I have access to knowledge, ideas, people that are a part of my regular experience of time. And you have a a different context filled with people, different relationships, and also a different trajectory that you're mentally heading for. Psychologists actually have a concept they call the default future. And the default future is the direction that you already know your trajectory is going. It's, it's basically the, it's the default future because it's the future you already know you've kind of committed yourself to. It may not be the future you want, but it's the future you most expect. One of the things that you can do to obviously stretch, slow, expand your time is get yourself into the time frames. And they really do call it that. It's about reference, frame, and perspective. It's about getting yourself into the context and frame of people whose time is their normal time and their normal life may reflect what you ultimately want. So for example, let's just say that finances are your goal. Well, if you take yourself into the context and into the frame of time of someone who is making 10 times or 100 times more money than you, it's a normal experience in their time to be able to make X amount of money in a day. They might be able to make as much money in a day as you make in a year. So for you, a year goes by trying to achieve a certain direction or destination while they can experience that in a day. So their time is a lot slower as it relates to money. So if you can get yourself into their time, into their context, into their experience, into their trajectories, in a lot of ways, you can look at it like planets. So in the movie Interstellar, they really show time dilation and time relativity in this way. Basically, the astronauts leave planet Earth. They go through a wormhole, and they're in a different galaxy, and they get onto a planet that's moving enormously faster relative to how fast Earth is going. Earth is going a certain speed. This planet, because it's next to a black hole, is moving probably hundreds of times faster in space. And so time goes hundreds of times slower. And as they talk about in that movie, I think it's one hour for them on that planet equals seven years on earth. And so they have to get in and out fast because their time is a lot slower than the people on earth. One hour here equals seven years there. So the time on earth is a lot faster. You can look at people and relationships and relationships and context to the ultimate door to change. As you jump into someone else's context, right? And start to experience their time. They have more coming at them. They have maybe the things you want coming at them in much abundance. The things you want in your time on your planet may be scarce, whereas on their planet or in their time, it may be abundant. And so by getting yourself into other people's time, into their context, into their reality, into their time. And time is their reference frame. It's their default future. It's the direction they're going there. It's their trajectory and the speed at which they're going towards that trajectory. It's what they have in abundance in their context. It's really interesting because if you look at life and history this way we live in a context where we can communicate like this you know we we have airplanes so a part of our current context is, is that we can fly maybe from one side of the us to another right in about five or six hours whereas you go back in time 150 or 200 years the pioneers had to make that walk and it took eight months and so in this context we can travel the same distance in five hours as took prior generations of people eight months or more which led to death and so you can look at different people the same way. There are billions of people on this earth and they all have different contexts that are just as stark as the airplane versus the hand cart. And if you can get yourself into their contexts, into their environment, into their time, again, it's their time. We all have different qualitative experiences of time. And by getting yourself into different people's time, you get to see things that your former self couldn't see from your old vantage point. You get to become aware of, principles and ideas and learning and maybe opportunities, situations that simply could not have been available if you were just operating in your former self's form of time. There's one more idea I want to tell you about, and that's the 80-20 principle. The 80-20 principle is the idea that 80% of your results comes from 20% of what you do. Some people have actually equated this idea to the 95 and 5 principle, that actually it's 5% of what you do that's creating 95% or more of your results. Every time you're spending time in that 80%, the 80% are the things that don't matter. They're the things that are ultimately holding you back. Again, 20% or less of your results comes from 80% of what you're doing. One of the things you wanna be really honest about is is what are the 80% of things in your life that are ultimately speeding your time? By speeding your time, what I mean is that they're making the days, years, and and decades go faster without you experiencing the desired directional change you want. By letting go of the 80% of your life and by focusing on the 20, you will slow your time down amazingly. And that's what you want to do is you want to slow and stretch your time because slow time means you're moving quickly in the direction you want to go. And so by eliminating the 80%, not only do you remove decision fatigue and and having a thousand things on your plate, you remove all those. So you have a lot a lot less decision fatigue and you also have a lot more flow because you're focused on less but better. But also you're focused on a qualitatively higher amount of activity that will lead you where you want to go 10 times faster. And so by by eliminating the 80%, You will slow down your time and you'll focus on the few things that will directionally take you where you want to go at much faster speeds. You can get there 10 times faster by just focusing on the 20% by eliminating the 80%. Whereas if you keep the 80% and continue to invest time in habits, situations, people, jobs, whatever, that are ultimately more of a, a reflection of your past than your future, then your time is going to go really fast. And you don't want your time to go fast. You want your time to go slow. And this isn't necessarily about the experience of time. I may have, I might feel like a day just went by and, you know, a billionaire might feel like a day just went by, but they just made a billion dollars and I just made a hundred or whatever. Like the day felt the same, but they traveled, at least financially, quantum levels faster, which means that their time, at least financially, was a lot slower. And so you want to slow your time. And if you've slowed your time, what that means is that you're moving towards where you want to go faster. And so you want to remove everything from your life that's speeding your time. And things that are speeding your time are the things that are ultimately stopping you from getting where you want to go and ultimately making the days, weeks, months, years, decades go by with you making marginal or minor progress in the direction you want to go or maybe are even taking you in some other direction that you don't want to go. So time and space are connected and it's really about directional change. And stretching time or slowing time, experiencing positive time dilation is really about adjusting yourself and getting yourself into contact situations and directions where you can get where you want to go five times faster, 10 times faster, 100 times faster. And a lot of that has to do with all progress starts by telling the truth. A big aspect of this, by the way, is clarifying where you want to go. Optimize more for where you want to be in 10 years from now versus where you want to be in 10 days from now. If you can start to think about where your future self is 10 years from now and what matters to them and what their destination is and what their destination could be, then you can start pointing your ship in that way. And then you can start to experience what psychologists call selective attention, which is that you get what you're looking for, what you focus on expands. And so as you create a picture of your future self, and as you get connected to your future self emotionally, and as you think about where your future self is 10 years from now, and you really think and define what success is at the highest level there, and maybe make it five or 10 times bigger. As people, we underestimate what we can do in a decade, but we overestimate what we can do in a year. If you think about what matters and what success is 10 years from now, and what the context of your future self is, or could be at 10X or 100X bigger, then you can make shifts in your direction, which will change your trajectory, which will change your path, which will change your time. As you make progress directionally in the way you want to go, your time is going to slow down. And what I, what I mean by slowing down is is that relative to others who are more focused on short term than the long term, as you're moving towards a longer term and more uh, honest and desirable direction and destination, as you're removing stuff that's speeding your time you're gonna warp where in a year, you're gonna experience more growth, more change, more progress. And, and it really is about progress more than speed. Progress means that you're going in a desired direction. You could go really fast in the wrong direction and you're only speeding your time. But if you adjust and you're making genuine progress in a genuine direction towards where you genuinely wanna go and you do that continually and continue to let go of the things that speed your time, you'll make more progress, true progress, desired progress, in a year, than most people do in a lifetime, which means that you've really slowed your time down and you could then live hundreds or thousands of lifetimes. One final thought on this is that your future self's time can be a lot slower than yours. What you can do a year from now because of the situation, the context, the relationships, the leverage, you can do things, your future self can do things in a day that might take you a year to achieve as an example i can make as much money in a day as my past self did in a year or a decade like because i now have a different context different relationships different knowledge different situations so i can make quantum leaps my past self couldn't even imagined what i what what things i can now do in a day which might have taken them years or decades so your time if you're equipping your future self with better relationships better knowledge etc what your future self can do in a day may take your current self a year or maybe even be unavailable to your current self because you could never actually imagine that direction which your future self will define
3: i'm curious about you now with your writing do you care about lists do you care about wall street journal do you i know you've hit some of them do you care about new york times like do you care about those? i don't
2: i don't you truly don't care about those things no 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 no. how did you feel feel when you hit them
3: how did you feel when you started hitting them
2: um well that would it, w- it would only matter how I felt when I started hitting them if they were actually my target. Um, they actually stopped being my target once I started hitting them, but they really weren't my target. Um, and so me hitting them I can be in the game about it. And I can genuinely say this occurred versus my former self where it wasn't occurring. And I can actually genuinely appreciate the fact that I am further along than my former self. Mm-hmm. The reason that they weren't exciting for me to hit is because they genuinely stopped being my goal. W- once I started hitting them, What's like your goal? my goal is to write the best books I can and to sell the most books I can. I do want people to read my books. And so rather than hitting but that goal is hard them,
3: to that goal. You can't really measure that goal though. Which okay. one? How do you measure sell the most that I can possibly well, sell? Well, like, well, so that that's number. that
2: yeah. So that's not the goal. My okay. goal, and you know, they're they are more specific and time-bound. As an example, okay. For twenty for twenty twenty-two, my goal is that collectively my books pass a million copies.
3: All of them. Okay.
2: Collect so that's my goal for 2022. Right now I'm probably somewhere in the ballpark of like three or four hundred thousand that my books have sold. So collectively in 2022 i'm publishing two new books my other books are still selling collectively my goal is to break a million copies gotcha and everything else then goes
3: with that the the youtube youtube converts the book sales coming on podcast converts the book sales speaking helping
2: i assume yeah if it so yeah if it's if if it's a if it's a meaningful process to that end Yeah. I mean, certainly. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that Angela Duckworth actually talks about in grit, which I think is really important. And it relates very deeply to all of the research on motivation and hope. What Duckworth said in her book is, is that from her perspective, maturity is two things. One is actually deciding what you're committed to long-term. So in my case, it could be, uh, continuing to publish, you know, better and better books that reach more and more people. Like, I mean, I could quantify that if I want, but deciding what you're committed to big picture. And then another aspect of maturity is uncommitting along the way to pathways that are not as effective as other pathways. So mm-hmm. like, let me give myself as an example. So so a key aspect of hope, by the way, is, is three things and motivation. They're the same three things. One, you have to have a clear goal. Two, you've got to have a pathway to getting from A to B. That could be your process. Um, uh, And then the third is some sense of agency or control, that what you do matters and that you can actually go from A to B, that you can find or create effective pathways. Um, And so- That's for
3: hope? Those three things are for what? That's
2: that, That's hope theory. So one of them is clear goal. One of them is pathways thinking, finding or creating workable paths from where you are to where you want to go. And then the other one is agency thinking that like what you do matters, that your behavior, that you can actually influence what's happening and actually that you can find or create new and better pathways. Those three are very similar, by the way, to what's called expectancy theory, which is the motivation, one of the core motivation theories. But back to Duckworth, like, so you have this high level goal and then you have means, that are leading you to that goal. Mm-hmm. But so you want to, part of maturity is committing to the, whatever high level goal that you're seriously committed to, find, deciding what you're committed to. But then when it comes to the means goals along the way, aggressively uncommitting when, it's, when, you, when you can find some better way. Mm. Um, so like me as an example, I've spent years writing on medium.com. Very effective pathway to my goal. It was not the, me- it was not the end. It was a means to an end. I was certainly very committed to my process, writing amazing blog posts, publishing them, getting better at headlines. Um, But it was a means to an end. My end was that I wanted to write books and I wanted to get book deals. Um, But at some point, I realized that it was no longer the best pathway for where I was ultimately trying to go. And so I was able to abruptly stop that pathway and find hopefully new and better pathways to getting where I wanted to go. didn't change my big picture commitment, but it was me releasing a path that was effective in the past, but no longer was, but that based on where I'm at now, it it wouldn't serve me to stick with that process simply because it was effective in the past. Like There are new and better ways, hopefully for me getting better and for me getting where I want to go as a writer of books. Got gotcha. you. In
0: this video, I'm going to explain to you the difference between thinking 10x, which is having an impossible dream that you want. Seemingly impossible, by the way. And I'm going to work, I'm in this video, I'm going to talk to you about how your beliefs shape your identity, which shape your behavior. And so beliefs can be changed very easily. And I'm going to work this through with you in a minute, but I'm going to talk to you about the difference between thinking 10x and thinking 2x. This is a brand new book that Dan Sullivan and I wrote. This is the third book in our trilogy. We have Who Not How, The Gap in the Game, and then we have 10x is easier than 2x. This is the third book. And I'm just going to explain to you the core model of this book and how people get stuck and why people settle for 2X, which is having what Dr. Joe Dispenza would call a past-present orientation. A past-present orientation is where you use the past to dictate who you are in the present and what you'll do in the future. That is essentially what 2X is. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to show you a model. And then I'm going to show you how you can ultimately reshape your beliefs and the, the commitments you have. And the commitments you have ultimately are driving your life. From a psychological standpoint, our identity is what we're most committed to as people. And there's an amazing book on this subject called Immunity to Change by Dr. Robert Keegan. And he talks a lot about how, you know, you may have a goal, for example, to lose weight, but you're always behaving in ways that are opposite to the goal. And that's because you have hidden commitments. Those hidden commitments might be that I don't like feeling anxious. And so so you eat when you're anxious, right? Or that you're a foodie or something like that. You have these hidden commitments, which stem from your beliefs about yourself and about the world. And a belief, by the way, is nothing more than a thought that you've repeated so many times that you've put emotion to it. You've gone from thinking to feeling to knowing. A belief is a thought that you have put so much belief into that you think you know it's a truth. There are lower T truths and capital T truths. Lower T truths are subjective things that you believe to be true. There's a great quote from Stephen R. Covey where he says, we don't see the world as it is, but as we are. And so it's very important to you to realize the things you think are true are just simply the things you believe are true which are not true but they're things that have become true for you because you've gone from thinking to feeling to knowing you've put so much emotion into it and you believe it's to be true therefore it's become a part of your identity and because it's now part of your identity it shapes the commitments you make and those commitments lead you to behaviors that are the opposite of where you're actually ultimately trying to go so let me go ahead and just share the the core model of this book to you by the way just so you see this um dan sullivan is the co-founder of Strategic Coach. Strategic Coach is the number one entrepreneurial coaching company in the world. Uh, I've been lucky enough to write all three of these books with Dan. It's been a lot of fun. And um, this book, 10x is easier than 2x, comes out in May and it is, it's the big boy. It's gonna be amazing. So here's the core model of the book. This is the 2x side of the model. This is the 10x side. And so if you want to go for 2x, you can actually keep 80% of your existing life. If you're going for 2x, meaning you're going to double what you're doing now you don't have to change that much to go double. You actually just only change 20%. You keep 80% of your current beliefs, your current commitments, your current habits, your current clients, your current way of being. Whereas 10x is the opposite. To go 10x, you can only keep the core 20%. And and if you're catching on, this is probably, this is you know largely based on the 80-20 principle. 80-20 principle is saying that 80% of your results comes from 20% of what you do. In simple terms, this core 20%, I love the book by Greg McEwen called Essentialism. There are the vital few and the trivial many. And the 80% of your life is what's holding you back from going 10x. In order in order to go 10x, you have to let go of this 80% and go all in on the 20% that excites you most. And I'm going to share with you a story of how I've done this several times in my life. And actually, if you look at your own life, you've done it as well. Uh, let me give it a funny example. So a child that's trying to learn how to walk, this could be the crawling, right? Whereas this could be the trying to stand up and failing to walk. Eventually, you go all in on the 20%, and eventually you let go of the 80%, which could be crawling, and that could eventually lead to this becoming your new 100%, that eventually, now 100% of the time you walk. So going from crawling to walking is equivalent to going 10x, because 10x is a fundamental change that's occurred. 10x is also achieving something that you believe to be impossible. The child who's crawling, they may actually believe that it's impossible to walk, right? The person who's living in their parents' basement may believe it's impossible for them to make millions of dollars and live on their own, right? And so impossible is a very important concept. And the reason something is viewed as impossible is because you have a belief structure that limits you from thinking it's possible, and you have an identity that you're committed to, and so you don't even entertain that. One important aspect of all of this, and in this book I actually explain um, the practicality of impossible goals. That impossible goals, and there's a lot of research behind that, are actually impossible is very subjective. Basically, like the Roger Bannister effect, right? That we think things are impossible until they're done. And then, because once they become more believable, we think it's possible. And so, there's a great other great book on the subject by Stephen Kotler. He called it The Art of Impossible. There are things that you want which you think are impossible because of the current beliefs you have, which shape the hidden commitments you have. And the hidden commitments are your past self. There's another great book on the subject, by the way. I'm not trying to share too many, too many book suggestions, but there's a great book called The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And in that book, they say that commitment is a statement of what is. You can know what you're committed to by your results, not by what you say you're committed to. We are all committed, we are all producing results. The result is a proof of the commitment. Everything in your life right now is what you're committed to. You are committed to watching this video. You know why? Because you're watching it. Uh, And your behavior is a proof of your commitment. And so we all have hidden commitments. And those commitments lead to our behavior and they lead to our results. Ultimately, everything in your life is what you're committed to. And if you want something new, you've got to commit to something new because your identity is what you're most committed to as a person. It's how you define yourself. And it's also what the beliefs and values to which you are firmly committed. Obviously, if you want to achieve an impossible goal, you have to commit to it even before you know it's possible. And, And so you commit to something and then you start to think about what are the beliefs that would help me to achieve this? You gotta go from thinking to feeling to knowing. And this is where you take a thought and then you bring it close to you emotionally. You won't achieve something if just by visualizing it, if emotionally you feel like it's really far away, if emotionally you feel like it's impossible or if emotionally you just don't feel like it's true or real. So you gotta go from thinking to feeling to knowing where you you ultimately, and a belief is just a a, a thought that you've given uh, a lot of belief and trust in, that you believe to be true. And I'll, I'll explain how I did this actually. So when I I had the dream of becoming a professional author, which by the way, at this point now, like, you know, it's crazy what can happen in like six years. You can write a lot of books, but I had a dream back when I was in 2015. In 2015, and I had wanted to be an author for five years since about 2010, but over from 2010 to 2015, I basically did nothing about it. In 2015, I was in the first year of my PhD program. My wife and I became foster parents of three kids, and I, started to get committed to my future self as a professional author. Once you start getting committed, you start to entertain it. You start to think about it. You start to actually uncover it. You start to ask questions. I started to call literary agents. I started to like examine the process and I started to get committed and I started to believe it was possible. My 20% and then because I was a a, a college student, I was a first year PhD student, My 20% was writing blog posts because I learned that in order to become a professional author at the level I want to, I needed to write blog posts, which eventually would allow me to grow my email list, which with a big email list and an audience, I could eventually get six-figure book deals. And so my 20% at that time was blogging. And I did that through medium.com. I wrote hundreds of blog posts on medium.com from 2015 to 2017, mostly two to two and a half years, a little bit into 2018. And those blogs were read by tens of millions of people and I was able to grow an email list of hundreds of thousands of people because that was my 20%. And the thing about going 10X is you have to have a goal that's really powerful, that's your future self at a totally different level, that if you achieve uh, if you achieve it, and this is one of the things that Dan has taught me, uh, he has a concept that we talked about in here called the four freedoms. You've got freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of relationships, and freedom of purpose. And freedom of time means that your time is spent in qualitatively different ways and ways that you want. And so for me, my future self, right, when I, this was back in 2015, my future self, had the freedom of time to write books and and make great money and have the time to do those things. I had the money, right? The freedom of money is, is that you make the type of money, the quantity and quality of money in ways that you want. And also freedom of relationship means you've got the types of relationships that open up doors, right? That leads to freedom of purpose. The freedom of purpose is the purpose to which you're committed to. And as you expand, you, 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 you expand these freedoms. You've got more and better time, money, relationships, and overall sense of purpose. And so by going all in on my 20%, and by, and by the way, in order to go 10X bigger, you've got to first become 10X better. And so I I, I needed to study and really go all in and, and focus and get very good at blogging. And I did that by learning online courses, by waking up early and by blogging, first things first, <laughs> eating the frog. I would wake up at five, go to the gym, and I would write a blog post before going to my class. And so that became my 20% and I went all in on that. And I let go of my eighty percent. The eighty percent could have been beliefs I had about what was possible. It could have, you know, in a lot of ways, my my schooling was my eighty percent. Although I I still did that, but this was my twenty percent, and I went all in on it, and I got ten times better at that, and I did go ten x. Uh, I did become a professional author. But here's what's really important: is what got you here won't get you there. So blogging and even writing on Medium.com, even though it was part of my twenty percent that got me ten x, once you go ten x. Then you think from a new future. This is the idea that your future self is a different person than you. Once you go to a different place, your future self can imagine their future self totally different than you can imagine. And So once you go to next, you're now at a totally different platform of freedoms, right? And you're on a new mountaintop where you can see new goals. And what got you here won't get you there. The beliefs and, and even the strategies that got you here. That's actually, there's a great book actually called Who Moved My Cheese? <laughs> Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson is all about how You know something that worked in the past isn't always going to work and if you get fixated on the past then you're not going to adapt and go to the next thing for me medium.com was that like it worked for two or three years it allowed me to become a professional writer but it stopped working and also it stopped matching my future i couldn't just keep blogging a lot of people get stuck in an old identity and in hidden commitments to their past and they ultimately keep creating things from their past rather than letting their future self dictate what they do what was once in my 20 percent, which was blogging once i went 10x blogging and using various platforms like medium.com became part of my 80%. And if you want to go 10x again, you've got to let go of the 80%. As Michelangelo said, Michelangelo, the sculptor, was talking to the Pope, and he made the David from 1501 to 1504. But the Pope was like, what is the secret of your genius behind making the David? And and Michelangelo said, I just remove everything that's not the David. And so the 80% is everything in your life that's stopping you from going all in on the 20%. And if you go all-in on your 20% and get 10 times better at that, then you can go 10 times bigger. You want to ultimately have an, a seemingly impossible future self, and you go from thinking to feeling to knowing, that you know that what you want is already yours, and you have future-based gratitude, you you get to a place of knowing, and and getting to a place of knowing often happens by uncommitting to your 80%. When you let go of your 80%, those past commitments that no longer resonate. Right, And we all have to go to these levels, right? What got you here won't get you there. And, and your 80% will evolve with time. You know, when I first started blogging, as an example, I would answer all my own emails, um, but I passed that off and, and you get rid of the 80% by either eliminating it or delegating it or automating it, but by simply a delegating and that's actually, that goes into this concept right here, who not how, rather than doing all the how yourself, and this is, this is kind of core entrepreneurial thought, but entrepreneurs who don't go 10X, don't go 10X because they feel like they have to do everything themselves, rather than getting who's, rather than delegating. Um, And so things that used to be in the 20% shift to the 80%. And if it's in the 80%, meaning it's not the very few things that if you go all in on, you're going to go 10x, you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go by either just eliminating it altogether. And and, and, and the challenge is is that this is part of your old identity. You were committed to this at one time, but now it's part of the 80% that's holding you back. There are things right now in your life that are in your 80% that you're holding on to. And those 80% things could be things which are good, for example, you know, answering email or booking your own flights or whatever. They could be things which are good, but they also, part of your 80% is things which are obviously holding you back. That could be just wasting your time, uh, staying up late at night. You know, anything that's in the 80% is things which are from the past, which are directly opposing your goal. And and ultimately, you want to simplify. You want to simplify down to the 20% and go all in on that. And then ultimately build a team around you, get who's to support you on... Your, your growing mission. I'm telling you this book, 10X is even than 2X. It comes out in May, you can pre-order it now. But one thing that's really standing out to me, um, I finished writing that book maybe like three or four months ago. But one thing that stands out to me now is just thinking about what's 10X for me right now or even 100X for me right now. What what I can imagine right now and what's 10X for me right now is outside the, outside the realm of even reference frame to my past self, even like two or three months ago. Two or three months ago, my my past self could not imagine what I'm thinking right now. And so obviously, you've got to be, you know, you got to go from thinking to feeling to knowing, you got to be willing to think about it. I mean, there's a lot of research on this when it comes to future self, that a lot of people think that their future self is who they are today. In other words, they they don't think that much is going to change between now and in the next 10 years. I love the quote from Bill Gates. He said, people overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in a decade. In a decade, your whole life can be fundamentally different, uncomparably different. What seems impossible to you now is gonna be the new norm to you. It's gonna be normal. Just like, for example, look look at your life right now. If I'm looking at my life right now, having been someone who's written all of these books, right? And has six kids, right? What's normal for me right now would seem impossible to my past self, maybe even five or six years ago. And so just because something seems impossible to you now is simply a reflection of you not based on what's actually possible. It's based on your own limiting beliefs and identity, which is the commitments you've made based on your beliefs. I love the idea of having a 10x vision, which seems impossible. And by the way, leadership and management are two different things. We go into that quite a bit in this book. Chapter six defines the difference between transformational leaders and micromanagers. Micromanagers are people who are not very good at applying who, not how. Micromanagers have to manage the how Whereas transformational leaders, and there's transformational leadership, by the way, is one of the core leadership theories of psychology. But transformational leaders define the what and the why, a massive, compelling vision. And then they ultimately support the team in effectively going forward with that and encouraging the team, motivating the team, giving each team member support, but in different ways. But you don't manage the how. There's a theory in psychology called self-determination theory. It's one of the core motivation theories. And basically according to self-determination theory, in order for people to be heavily motivated, they need to feel competent, but they also need to have autonomy, a sense of autonomy in what they're doing, that they actually believe they have choices and that they they can control a lot of the process. And so one of the reasons why I love Deanne's work is it fits with a lot of the psychological theories on leadership. They're rather than, you know, with who not how, rather than figure, rather than you needing to do the how or even needing to manage the how, you, cl- you create the vision, and then you get the right who in place, and you let them do the how in the way that they want to do it, because they're going to do it differently than you and better than you, but you support them and encourage them and continue to clarify and define the vision, the what and the why. I'm going to talk about how to get what you want, no matter how seemingly impossible, as fast as possible. Really, there are three key steps. The first is clarifying where you want to go, clarifying your direction, and then investing as much of your focused energy as you can in that direction. And then ultimately catching yourself when you're getting off course. We're all gonna go off course. That's just a normal part of life. It's a normal part of your day. No matter how much you try to focus and go in a certain direction, life's gonna pull you off course. And so step number one is ultimately defining where you wanna go and channeling as much of your thought, focus and energy in that direction. Principle number two is pretty simple. Remove everything that conflicts with the direction There's a great quote that basically says that success is going 20 steps in one direction while most other people are taking one step in 20 different directions. So it's much better to take 20 steps in one direction. You really do become what you think about. You become what you think about. And so focused energy and focused thought in one direction is gonna get you there very quickly, even seemingly impossible leaps as you put lots of thought, focus and energy and build your attention. Psychologists call it selective attention, focusing in a single direction. So step two, is about removing the things from your life that are pulling you off course. We all have lots of things that are pulling us off course. That's the 80-20 principle. The 80% of your life is ultimately a distraction. Take a hard look at your life. All progress starts by telling the truth. This is one of the best quotes ever. All progress starts by telling the truth. And so just take an honest scan of your life and ask yourself, what habits, what people, what situations, what things are ultimately taking me off course? And then removing as much of those things as you can, a big aspect of making a decision and making a commitment and moving in the direction you wanna go. And by the way, the psychological definition of identity is commitment. Also the psychological definition in large part of maturity is knowing what you value and removing all else. It's, it's about knowing who you are, knowing what matters to you, knowing what you care about and removing. And there is a progression that you go through when you start focusing on what you want, putting more and more focus and flow on what you want, directing your thoughts, energy, and action where you want to go, and then proactively removing the things that don't. Nothing will actually build your commitment towards what you want more than removing things in your life that are conflicting with that. It's literally the Michelangelo principle. Michelangelo was asked by the Pope, how did you form the beautiful David? And he said, I stripped away everything that's not the David. Perfection is not when there's nothing more to add, but when there's nothing left to take away. So as you're focusing on what you want, putting more and more of your thought, energy, energy, and action into what you want, you're gonna get there very quickly. The reason most people don't get what they want is because they spend most of their time thinking about what they don't want or they're thinking about what they already have. Most people's thoughts are around their current context, not their future self, not their future context. And so if you're putting more and more thought, energy, and vision in where you wanna go, you're seeing it, you're visualizing it, you're thinking about it, you're writing about it, you're working toward it, and then you're actively and proactively removing the things that are pulling you off course. But then you're catching yourself back to the meditation. Every day, you're bringing yourself back. Every night, as an example, when you're meditating, visualizing, you're catching yourself. This is one of the keys is catching yourself. This is really what meditation is all about, is catching yourself when you're going off course. And then that's that inertial guidance system. Mastery is bringing yourself back. And that's, uh, there's actually a concept in psychology called implementation intentions. And it's really all about this. It's about when you're catching yourself derailing yourself or, or self-sabotaging. You have a strategy. They call it if-then scenarios. If X happens, then this is what I'm going to do to get back on track. If you're triggered to eat some junk food, then I'm going to, you know, every time I get triggered to eat junk food, I'm going to sit down and do five push-ups. It doesn't actually have to be a lot to get yourself back on track, but you do want a strategy to get back on track. Ultimately, removing the things that you already know are taking you off track, but then catching yourself faster, catching yourself when you're off track. And then you can practice small, by the way, practice small on a daily basis where you're gonna sit and focus. I like the Pomodoro technique, right? Where you give yourself a timer and you just focus on one thing for 20 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes. And you just focus on one task, focus on it, but then you catch yourself when you're off track. Maybe you start to wanna subconsciously distract yourself. Nope, pull yourself back and actually do it. And you can then ultimately build focus as a muscle where you get better and better at removing the things that don't matter. You ultimately get better and more mature at not needing to be so distracted, not being so frenetic. you get. This is when you really start to operate in a flow state and when time really starts to slow down and when you can ultimately start to make massive progress. Because when you can focus on something, I actually love the book by Cal Newport called Deep Work. Deep Work is all about how focus is the IQ of the 21st century because we live in this beautiful world where if you can actually focus and go deep, we have the tools, the technology that can scale things to fundamentally different levels. The problem with most people is that they can't focus because number one, they don't actually have a clear direction of where they wanna go. They're not operating and thinking from their future, but instead most of their thoughts are on what they don't want or they're thinking about you know just their current life. And so whatever you think about more and more and more and pay attention to is what you're gonna create more of. If you truly focus and think a lot about what you want and direct your energy and effort towards that, and then you proactively remove what doesn't, and then every day you're striving for focus and flow and then you catch yourself over and over. And you bring yourself back the most beautiful aspect truly of making a decision is removing things that you know are 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 maybe good or even maybe great but they're not what you ultimately want by stripping things away you are proving to yourself your commitment and then by just observing and watching yourself be your future self now by observing and watching yourself be in flow being in focus this is why visualization is really about two things. It's about visualizing yourself in the context, in the event of where you wanna be in the future, but it's also about visualizing yourself being and doing in the process. And so at night when you're visualizing your future self for the next day, visualize your future self, visualize yourself the next day, following through with your commitment. The more you can actually follow and follow through with your commitments and actually complete things, completing things, even on a daily basis, you're gonna work on something for 25, 30 minutes and you complete it and you brought yourself back over and over and over again and you didn't just leave things undone, the skill of completion really builds integrity and it really builds confidence. And then it allows you and enables you to complete bigger and bigger and bigger things and to make bigger and bigger commitments as a person. And your identity is what you're committing yourself to. Your identity is what you're committed to. So the first thing is visualize what you want, define what you want, and then focus more and more of your attention on what you want, not on what you have or what you don't want. Number two is remove everything that you already know is a conflict to your goal and catch yourself over and over. That's the meditation technique, is bring yourself back. That's the inertial guidance system, is get better when you're off track at bringing yourself back. It's about removal, removing what you don't want, and embracing opportunity cost. Embracing the idea that to choose this, you can't have that. So that's number two, is about removal and bringing yourself back, catching yourself. Catching yourself quick and bringing yourself back to focus. Number three is about emotions. This is about going from thinking to feeling to knowing. So ultimately, when you're visualizing and you're thinking about your future self, one of the primary reasons that people subconsciously self-sabotage is that emotionally they don't they don't feel worthy of the goal. You can visualize and see what you want, but first off, you may be keeping all sorts of goal conflicts in your life. You may be keeping that 80% or maybe you're always distracted and going 50 different directions in a single day. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that emotionally you haven't accepted the goal because you haven't fully accepted and know that what you want is already yours because you haven't brought the, the goal emotionally down to your next logical step. If the goal feels emotionally really far away, then you'll resist it. And because of your resistance and because of your avoidance, that's what's going to lead you to ultimately continually distracting yourself. You're going to keep distracting yourself because emotionally you don't think you're worthy of it. I love the quote from Dr. David Hawkins. He said, your unconscious will only allow you to have what you believe you deserve. What Dr. Gay Hendricks talks about in The Big Leap is that when people are making advancements in their life, if they haven't evolved themselves subconsciously, then they're going to subconsciously self-sabotage themselves and bring themselves back to their emotional baseline. And so emotionally you've got to evolve yourself to the place where your vision of your future self emotionally it feels like it's the next logical step if you're thinking about a goal that's really far out there that's that's not that it's it's not it doesn't look like it's very relevant to your current life but you you see something that's massive and major and, and something that excites you and you're visualizing it more and more the goal is to emotionally bring it down so that it feels emotionally very close emotionally it feels very intuitive emotionally it, it you accept it you You've gone from a, uh, from thinking to feeling to actually reaching a place of knowing. I love the quote from Florence Shin. She said, faith knows it has already received and acts accordingly. And so one of the ways you can do this is obviously gratitude, future-based gratitude, where you're visualizing your future self and being grateful for what you have, but also focusing on what you enjoy right now. Appreciation appreciates you, you create more of what you want. And so as you focus on what you want, you appreciate it, you express it and you feel good then you can get to the place where you neutralize the seeming distance emotionally between your future self and your current self. And emotionally, you start to resonate with that future self. You start to feel good about it. You start to think and feel more from the goal rather than toward the goal. And you're removing stuff that triggers thoughts of the current self. This is actually a really interesting and important one, is that back to principle number two for a minute about removing things that are ultimately pulling you off course. There are a lot of things in your life that trigger thoughts and emotions. They could be people. So when you're around certain people, you then have certain thoughts and emotions, and those thoughts and emotions could pull you straight back to the past. So you want to remove the things in your life that create thoughts and feelings that are more resonant of your past or your present. And instead you want to surround yourself with things, inputs. I love the idea, your input shapes your outlook. And so put yourself in environments, give yourself inputs, surround yourself with people who create the emotions, the thoughts, the optimism, the faith, the expectancy, of your future self. And so ultimately you can start creating routines in an environment that allow you to think about, visualize, meditate on your future self, who you want to be. And you can get to a place emotionally where you've neutralized the distance and it actually feels like it's your next logical step. It actually feels right. It feels true. It feels who you are so that you can start emotionally operating from your future self so that subconsciously you actually, it it honestly feels right. It, It makes sense. Even if it doesn't, completely look that way from your current life. Uh, this is one of the things I think I love really deeply about Joe Dispenza's work is about feeling the future before it happens, that you want to feel above the current context. A lot of people think they have to have a, a perfect situation before they can feel good. The truth is, is that there's that quote, there is no way to happiness, happiness is the way. And a lot of people think that the situation has to be right for them to feel good. Actually, if you feel good, the situation will become right. And so your feelings, your thoughts are ultimately what are creating more and more of what you've got. And so you want to think about what you want and then ultimately feel great about it. Feel like it's the next logical step and continuously remove the things that are taking you off course. Remove the things that are creating thoughts and feelings that pull you to the past and continuously bring yourself back. So those are the three steps. Step one, focus on what you want and define what you want. Number two, remove everything. That's pulling you off course and continuously so bring yourself back. And number three, emotionally get to, get yourself to the place where the future that you want isn't far away. In fact, it actually, you've, go, you've gone from thinking to feeling to knowing, where you actually know that it's already yours and you feel completely at ease with it, at peace with it, and you're completely patient and you have, you don't have an unhealthy attachment. Instead, you're just at complete peace and you know that it's what you want. And then your thoughts, your emotions, your words will all pull you in that direction. So, Hope that was enjoyable. My name is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Enjoy your day. Cheers to your future self. Please subscribe to this channel. Please share it so that more people can see it. Please give it the thumbs up and have an amazing day.